Thank you, Meg, Pam. It's so good to be with you. And uh, wow, to stand on the stage, not virtually, but actually be with you, it's wonderful to be back here. And uh, let me just say, at the end of the message, we're going to be sharing communion together. I'll walk us through those instructions in just a while. But let me also say, uh, happy 4th of July weekend. Love this weekend. Last night we watched fireworks. Maybe you did also. We downed a couple hamburgers. Uh, it was a great, great weekend. Also a, a day to celebrate the various freedoms that we have living in America, the freedom of religion, the freedom to express our opinions, a lot of that going on. And, um, you know, uh, uh, I also think of the history of the Revolutionary War. Some of the heroes come to mind, like Nathan Hale. Maybe you know the name. He was captured by the British Army as he spied for the Continental Army, sentenced to death. And just before his execution, he said, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. You know, last words can be so meaningful and so motivational. Um, Last week, we began a new series called Don't Be Afraid, and this series now brings us to the words of Paul, his last words, written to Timothy in his second letter, Um, his swan song, so to speak. And there's a particular passage in this book I want us to look at, but before we get there, I want to give you some of the context. So let's start with the setting. Paul is sitting in prison, not a new thing for him, but this time it was different because he was about to be executed and he knew it. Uh, And so uh, because of that, he knew that he needed to pass the baton of church leadership onto someone trustworthy, someone who was firm in their faith, someone who was unafraid to live their life openly for Jesus, someone who is unashamed to speak openly for Jesus. And so the person who came to mind was this guy named Timothy. Now, we know from 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, those letters, uh, that Paul knew Timothy as a man of great integrity, a man of great faith. Um, But also, he knew this about Timothy. He was young, uh, probably of quiet disposition, and easily intimidated, maybe by those who were older or those who knew more or just those who were antagonistic toward the faith. We all know what it means to be intimidated. I'm intimidated by different things like working on a car. I can change the oil, but other than that, it intimidates me. Or going to the gym and, you know, seeing these guys lift their thousand pounds and I can only lift 500. That was, I'm glad you got that joke. Uh, And maybe you're intimidated by different things. You know, uh, speaking in front of people, that can be a frightening thing. Or perhaps uh, just the idea of stepping into a new job or a new responsibility or into a new horizon where it's uncomfortable or unfamiliar, unsettling in some way. It can be intimidating. Have you noticed in the middle of intimidate is the word timid? And to be timid means to to shrink back, to uh, lack courage, to lack self-confidence. And this was Paul's concern about Timothy as he he, he, uh, was preparing to pass the baton of leadership on to him. And so Paul writes these particular words to Timothy. And right out of the gate in this letter, these are the words that Paul writes to him and to you and me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Those are important words. Now, um, we're going to unpack that a little bit, but I want to ask you, you know, when you you read those words, what comes to mind? This particular verse, I memorized 
early on in my Christian life because I, I wanted help stepping into uncomfortable situations, being unafraid. And maybe you have, maybe you've used this verse to, to do the very same thing. But do you know the, the specific reason Paul wrote these words to Timothy? The answer to that question comes in the very next words Paul writes, and it goes like this. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Apparently, Timothy was intimidated. He was fearful when it came to speaking openly about his faith in Jesus. Maybe he was surrounded by the agnostics or the atheists or those who were antagonistic, and he backed off. Well, that was Timothy, but that's the same for me, and it's, it may be the same for you. It's very easy to become intimidated, fearful to talk openly about our faith. Why is that? With our friends, our family, our coworkers, neighbors, it can be rather intimidating. So these are Paul's words to Timothy. Even though Jesus was super, super clear that we should live openly for him and speak boldly and clearly and lovingly about him, even though we know that when we're talking with a friend or a coworker and they may not know anything about Jesus or about how to have a relationship with God, even though we know our, our words could change their life, we still find it intimidating and sometimes we back off and don't say anything. And so these words to Paul are meant to free Timothy. Just like on 4th of July, we are, we are freed from the, the tyranny of the monarchy of England almost 250 years ago. Paul writes these words to liberate Timothy from the fear and, and, the, and the intimidation of speaking openly for Christ. So let's unpack this verse, and let's start with Paul's words, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Uh, some time ago, I came across these words by Mark Twain. Love this quote. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you did not do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow line, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. What a great quote to teach our kids growing up, or what a great quote to write into a, a graduating senior's card, or what a great quote to put on our office wall or on our, uh, in our house somewhere. What a great quote to remember as we come to the idea of speaking openly about our Lord. Would it surprise you that the most common command in all of the Bible is do not fear, be not afraid? Now, we could take a long time and go through all of those, some samples. You know, Joshua, getting ready to go into the promised land. Do not fear, I'm with you. Last week, Pastor Eric walked us through Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Be not anxious, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. So many of those in the Old Testament go into the New Testament, and there's the angel saying to Mary, do not be afraid. Or, or Peter stepping out of the boat onto the water, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't let, it, don't let fear capture you. The other night, my wife and I watched a wonderful movie called Harriet. Maybe you've seen it. It's the story of Harriet Tubman, one of the leaders of the Underground Railroad Movement in pre-Civil War days. And in this scene where she is escaping from slavery, she goes to her pastor for help, and her pastor looks her square in the eye, and he says, do not let fear enslave you, essentially. Trust in God. 
And she did. And Jesus looks at, at, at his followers and he looks at you and me and he says, don't be afraid. I, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. But it's even better than that for Christians. It's not that God is just with us. He is in us because when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, God's spirit comes to live within, indwell us. And that's where Paul takes Timothy next. That God has given us a spirit of power. Now, maybe you know, uh, the, the word that Paul uses in the original language is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. If you are a Christ follower, you are playing with dynamite. Around this room, all of us are so different. Some are introverts, some are extroverts. Some like to talk to people, some don't like to talk to people. Some are very familiar with Christianity, some are new to Christianity. We're all over the map, but the Bible says that we are actually on level ground, all of us. Because when God's Spirit comes to live within us, He comes to live within us in equal measure. None of us have more of the Spirit of God than the other. Now, that's important. Sometimes when I find an opportunity to talk about my faith, to talk about my Lord, to talk about Jesus, I can get nervous, and it helps me to remember the words of the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the Corinthians in his first letter, chapter 2. What, what Paul says is, you know, when it comes to talking about the Lord, it's not a matter of eloquent words or superior wisdom or how you string your words together to make them sound so cool. It's not a matter of that. In fact, when the Apostle Paul would talk about Jesus, he would make it incredibly, incredibly simple. Um, basically, he would say, uh, he tells us, that, that our words are given strength, are given power by God's Spirit. And when we share with somebody, God's Spirit, God's power is working on that person's life to, to convince them to draw close to God through Christ. So it, so it really doesn't matter if we're an extrovert or an introvert or if we like talking to people or not talking to people or if we're familiar with church or not familiar with church. It really, we're on level ground. All we are are the mouthpieces for God's word, talking about Jesus. God is the one who gives our words power and strength. And so therefore, we do not need to fear or be intimidated. Now, Paul goes on, and he says that God has also given us the spirit of love. Um, you know, someone may reject your love, but they cannot dismiss your love. I've talked about this before, but in the Amazon River, I'm so intrigued by this. There's a, there's a fish, and by its genus name, it's called an anablep. It's called an anablep because it has Four eyes, two sets of eyes, a set of eyes to look up so it navigates, a set of eyes to look down so it can search for food. Isn't that interesting? Odd. When you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus and God's Spirit comes to live within, He gives us a new set of eyes to be able to see people in a brand new way. It's like putting on a set of eyeglasses. If you have trouble seeing, all of a sudden, now I see as God wants me to see. One of my favorite stories of seeing people in the way we're intended to see them starts in Luke chapter 9. You know, there was great racism back in those days between the Samaritans and the Jews. They hated each other. 
Jesus one day is on his way to Jerusalem. He sends a couple of disciples, James and John, on ahead to find a place for him to stay in a town in Samaria, where the Samaritans live. The Samaritans say, no way is he staying here. And, and James and John go back to Jesus and say, should we, call, should we call fire down upon that village? Jesus says, well, no, not, not, we're not going to do that. In the next chapter, Jesus gets in a conversation with a theologian about what love looks like and what it really means to be a neighbor. And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And here's this Jewish man who is lying on the side of the road half dead, and along comes a Samaritan who understands what love looks like, steps across his boundaries, and helps this man up and shows what love really looks like. And as Jesus is telling the story, I wonder if he's hoping James and John are listening in, because this is the way we should treat somebody who's different than us. Fast forward in the book of Acts, now the church has been, uh, has been uh, the church has given birth. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within uh, Christ's followers, including James and John. In Acts chapter 7, there's the persecution of the church, and the church disperses and begins to take the message of Jesus out. And the very first place they go to, Acts chapter 8, is what? Samaria. They take the message of Christ to people that they never liked before because they see them in a brand new way. And I hope that you, as you, as you as a Christ follower, as you, as you get to know Jesus over the years, you're more and more gospel-driven. You understand more and more the good news of Jesus, that he has done for us through Christ, that he's done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And we begin to love people the way we have been loved. We begin to show grace to people the way we have been shown grace. And think about that person, that coworker, that neighbor, that family member that you just have a hard time with. Ask God to help you see them in a brand new way. God has given you the spirit to love them. Paul says he's given, God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Or some versions say self-control or sound mind. In the message it says sensible. What Paul means is God has given us the ability by his spirit to think clearly. If Paul were sitting with Timothy or sitting with you and me, I think he would tell us things like this. Think clearly now. Think clearly. Remember, this was Jesus' idea. To, to, to live openly for him and to speak clearly about him. And remember, too, that God is going to bring into your life a coworker, a family member, a neighbor who may still be apart from God and they need to hear the message. And God has put you in their life for a reason. And remember, too, that at times you'll be rejected. They may think you're crazy. They may think you're way off. They may even persecute you in different ways. Paul says in one of his letters that those who seek to follow Christ will be persecuted. Expect that. But Paul would say, remember, to, to love those people, to use that set of eyes that God has given, and God will empower you to love them. And by that same power, give you the ability to speak, and he can change their life. Remember, there is no need to be fearful and to be timid. God has given us the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Don't be afraid. A quote I came across years ago, I've always loved this. My faith is incredibly personal, but it is never meant to be private. It's so personal. When you put your faith in Jesus, that's personal. But do you know the entire message of the Bible is I'm blessed? 
to be a blessing. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Don't be afraid. Let's pray together. And God, thank you now for your great grace expressed to us through Christ. Would you help us not to sit on that, but with our lives, the way we live our lives, the way we use our words to be expressions of that grace to others around us. Help us not to be afraid. Just as you stepped across the boundaries of heaven and came to us, help us step across boundaries to show the love and the grace we receive from you. We can love because you have first loved us. And there is no greater way to love somebody than to tell them about Jesus and to speak openly for you. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.